continuing and finishing the ninth chapter of the book of Revelation. <clears throat> it says, For the, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which could neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now look at this. Power was given to the army of 200 million under the rule of these four angels who were specifically prepared, they were bound and prepared for and waiting for that hour in that day, in that month, in that year. And then they were released to kill a third of mankind. So what was the measure of their authority? What were they permitted to do? They were released to kill a third of mankind. They were not released to kill all mankind. They would have if they were not bound in that way. But you know, we read these things and we don't, we don't pick up the, 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 the cover and just look under it for a moment. Even in these fierce doings with the demons who have no love for mankind, who have the means to kill mankind, have the motive to kill mankind, they are not allowed to do it indiscriminately and unchecked. So they are given a sphere of rule which includes a third of mankind. We saw that earlier in the ninth chapter as it regarded tormenting men for five months. Why not six months or four months or ninety days? You see, it's what we observed in the book of Job that the activities of the demonic are strictly regulated by permission granted by God. And in this case, God is distributing His wrath through the saints. Well, I understand, you know, I understand when I say that. I can hear somebody saying, oh no, no, it can't be so because we love people. There's no way uh, we would be in charge of issuing these decrees that consume a third of the world's population. You know, our gospel is a gospel of love. So that can't be right. And the same bunch would have to admit God can't be doing that to anybody because, you know, God only loves. God can only pick you up and coddle you then he needs to go back and repent 
for having destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Or more than that, he needs to repent for destroying the entire world with the flood. These witless folk are commenting on a God they neither know nor understand. And the shocking truth is, these are the leading theologians today, these are the religious voices. These are the same people who, whose every response to crises in the world is to quote some passage of Scripture that usually ends up saying, oh, we got to love everybody or we've got to give money to help people do this or that or the other thing. No comprehension of how God uses adversity, how God directs us by the Holy Spirit. They're completely untethered to either the mind of God or His ways. This God who gave His only begotten Son is the same God who destroyed the entire world save eight people. Why? Because there's an aspect to God that religion actually never, even Christian religion never actually allows. And that is that man has no intrinsic value. <laughs> I understand, I'm, I'm I'm not only treading on toes, I'm crushing toes because these things are the truth. Forget about the philosophical rubbish that has made it into the church and masquerades as truth. Man has no intrinsic value. Man is no more than assembled protoplasm subject to death and destruction, same as everything else in creation, with one exception. It's the exception that I call the original intent. Of all creation, the only thing that has value to God and the only thing for which He established creation is to produce in the person of Christ a man in the image and likeness of God. It's all creation is about. It's not about being Jew or Gentile. Uh, it's not about being slave or free. It's not about your social condition. None of it has any value except what God reaps out of all of it and that that he reaps, Christ is the sickle with whom he reaps the crop. He is the measure, he's the measuring rod to determine who has value in creation as judged from an eternal point of view, which is time out of mind. Before there was nothing, there was God, nothing of the order of creation there was God and God determined creation should be to produce one end, one purpose, 
that that he could inhabit to the display of his glorious nature. The ungodly, according to the Psalms, first Psalm, the ungodly are not like the godly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the unrighteous, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but delights in the law of the Lord. Such a one is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Leaves also shall not wither and whatever he does will prosper because God is with him. His purpose is bound up in eternal realities. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Isn't it silly that preachers today choreograph their messages so that the ungodly might approve of them? That's actually why there's so much garbage, I mean, vile, contemptible theology that people believe. People try to live, try to practice, the earmarks of which all have to do with what what you can control. I'm showing you the end thereof in Scripture, the time when God has separated out and sealed that man in the image and likeness of God, sealed with the name of the Father on their foreheads, which is to say, acknowledges that they are of a divine nature. The rest is like the chaff which the wind drives away. The rest is to be purged and He's releasing the demonic to do it. And this is the first major installment of the demonic doing so. Now, here is what it says. After those who had, the third had been killed, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood that can neither see nor hear nor walk and they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immoralities or their thefts. Now what does it tell you about the third who had been killed? How were they different? Do you suppose that they were sinners in a more egregious sense than the two-thirds who were not killed? No, they were the same bunch. It was just the third that was killed. This is the condition of mankind upon whom judgment has come. Reminds me of something from the book of Luke when Jesus asked certain ones, do you suppose that those whom Pilate uh, killed and mingled their blood with their sacrifices, do you suppose they were sinners above all else? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or the eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, do you suppose they were sinners above all? No, no, no. I tell you, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 
It's been in the book. It's been in the book all along. But the people who only have ears to hear what they want to hear and, and eyes to see what they want to see, to them the truth of Scripture remains hidden and it's unnecessary that it remains hidden. Seeing they see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So no, out of the whole population of which two-thirds were killed, their general condition was that they did not repent of the works of their hands. That's what I said about the fiery, the, 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 the fiery, I mean the, 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 the fiery red. It devours the works of your hands, wood, hay, and stubble. You know, most of what people are building today, anything you're building today, that's built apart from the intention to honor God with it, and the only thing that you can build that has, that can fulfill that intention to honor God with it is what the Holy Spirit leads you to build. Everything else is trash. I, I was struck some time ago, I was uh, in La Jolla, California. No, not La Jolla, it, it was in um, Laguna, California. saw prominent names on buildings as I drove through town, businesses, um, recreational halls, uh, medical facilities. And I was reminded of the fact that when people leverage themselves up by their bootstraps, doing whatever they do to, uh, to gain wealth and to become notorious in there uh, by comparison to other people, to gain notoriety. At the end of that, uh, of that practice, often rapacious practice, that results in gaining wealth, they attempt to rehabilitate their image by putting their names on a university building, and here I'm not speaking of Laguna, um, uh, you know, their names on a university building, their names on a medical or hospital facility, or uh, and, and the like, courthouse. The works of your hands, unless they are what the Holy Spirit did through you will be burned up. I'm not saying not to be diligent, I'm not saying not to work, I'm not saying not to work hard, I'm not speaking against wealth, I'm speaking against a mindset that says your value is in the works of your hands. Or worshipping idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood. Back in, in, in antiquity, in the days of antiquity, people actually fashioned idols out of gold 
and silver and brass and stone and wood. They don't so much do that today and these aren't references to sculptural pieces that you may have in your house. It has to do with what you could do. What image of yourself do you wish, what expression of what is in your heart do you wish to, to cast, whether in gold, silver, brass, stone or wood? And in the hope that they can survive you. These things can't walk, they can't see, they're not alive. Eventually, you know, they'll tear down all these buildings to make new ones if time lasts and they won't put the names of the former honorees on the new buildings. It's one, an English poet once said, the paths of glory lead but to the grave. But then there are other things here. They did not repent also of worshipping demons. Now, it's not really likely that someone says, um, here is a demon that I know and it's my demon, I'm going to worship it. It's typically not what you do. You worship doctrines of demons. That's what Peter says. Giving heed, he said, in the last in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers for whatever they lust for, and they'll turn away from the truth and they'll turn to fables. Paul to Timothy said that they will, uh, they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And he gave an example of a doctrine of demons, commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. The other example of a doctrine of demon is forbidding to marry. Now, it's fine if you choose not to marry, but the doctrine of celibacy is a, as a condition of the priesthood or as a condition of religious service. As I said, fine if you, don't, if you, if you choose to be celibate, there's nothing wrong with that, but a doctrine of celibacy as a condition of serving God is one of two examples cited by Paul in his letter to Timothy as a doctrine of demons. One that, one that is practiced by people who, quote, speak lies in hypocrisy, having their consciences seared as with a hot iron. There's quite a, quite a resurgence today and fascination with the Jewish 
uh, the Old Testament uh, laws of uh, the Old Testament dietary laws. Fine to do that. Doesn't mean anything to God. It doesn't mean make you holy or unholy. That's for a carnal-minded person, a person whose mind is uninformed by the Spirit, whose entire approach to God is based upon a, 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 a legalistic point of view, a belief that there is a kind of righteousness in you, in your activities, because if God says not to do these things, and you don't do them, then you've obeyed God. And if God says to do these things and you've done them, then God owes you. No, these were shadows of things to come, types and shadows. And if that's all you've got when the reality has come, you're way behind the curve. And, and no less than the Apostle Paul, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, listed this, one of these forbidding to marry and abstaining from meats which God has prepared to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth, these are the two things listed as doctrines of demons. Now, if you're going to forbid people to marry on the basis of religious service, and if you're going to command people to abstain from meats which God has prepared to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth, then at least have the honesty to acknowledge that you neither believe nor know the truth. It's, it's that simple. So no, in worshiping demons, it's not typical that most people uh, apt to create something of stone or wood, a, a representation of the demonic like that, and worship it. But I'm telling you that the, the worship of demonic, uh, or the, 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 the attempt to worship God through practices essentially reflective of doctrines of demons, that's widespread today. So don't, you know, when you read these things, pull them apart and see what you see. It's amazing. It's not so much that the world is going to come to such desperate straits. Finally, it's that that which is already at work is going to become revealed, ripe and full and revealed. And when it is that way, God will release the demonic out of the pit to slay a third of mankind, by, largely by working within that which they already accept as true. He's simply showing them how absolutely false and devoid of the truth these things have been. And he's doing that in order to potentially save a remnant of people who are yet amongst the people who haven't made up their minds yet. But when you've reached the point where you did not repent of your murders, 
where population does not repent uh, of worshiping demons, murders, sorceries, or sexual immorality or thefts, that population is like Sodom and Gomorrah. That population is like it was in the days of Noah. And we know what God does in those times and in those, in those circumstances. Listen to this, in case you're still sort of teetering on the edge of whether or not you'll even consider or entertain that these things are true. Let me read to you the condition of mankind in the last days. Again, the sons of God have been largely, they've been sealed, whether they're on the earth or in heaven, they've been sealed. Like Israel and Goshen, they're behind the door that has the blood of the Lamb on the sides and on the lintel. We're looking at how a remnant may yet be saved out of mankind when the rest of mankind is being judged. And again I point out to you, there still needs to be a great white throne judgment because that's a judgment of the souls of men. This is judgment that falls upon the bodies of men. Hmm? Finally, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Here's the condition of men as described in in the last days and in perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unholy, unthankful, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here is here's a big one, as if those weren't big. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's the condition of people in the last days, and that's the condition that is subject to this sort of annihilation. Because as I said to you early on, there is no intrinsic value to the human being. Apart from God, apart from being in Christ, there's nothing worth saving. No, it is not true. Humanity is not intrinsically valuable. If you measure it from the standpoint of God, the only thing God is looking forward to is reaping a crop out of humanity that's conformed to the image of Christ. Now if you want to use a different standard, which is human standards, 
then of course everybody's got value. Everybody's important. Everybody's equally important. See, and whatever you do, if you can justify it by a community, then that's, go for it. That's your standard. That's human standards. That's not an eternal standard. In a newsflash, you know, everybody's going to die. Once you die, human standards do not apply. Only a divine standard does. But a further newsflash, humans won't get to be this way for as long as they want to be. There's a time coming when God Himself, the Creator, you know, you know that one that we've all, that humankind has largely forgotten and thinks is an extension of their own egos or, or is their alter ego? That God will assert Himself again in creation to bring about divine reckoning upon the persons, the flesh of mankind. So, we're not going to persuade many people to live by a divine standard, the one presented to us in the person of Christ and continuing to be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. We're not actually going to persuade a lot of people that that's the standard that's worthwhile much easier to persuade people that their own standards are the standards of God and whatever they think God is or whatever they think God ought to be, that's the standard. And especially if you could promote and propagate that standard and get people to agree with you. That's the day we're living in. Brutal people, delusional people, people who have no desire for the truth, people who talk about alternative facts, who are happy to live in an alternative universe, or people who insist that the facts support their point of view so they'll only tell you a portion of the facts. So they partially live in the reality that the rest of mankind lives in. All this stuff, is heading straight for a time of reckoning because the Almighty God who created us and placed us in this creation is not on holiday. He's still working through to the one objective, a man in the image and likeness of God. When that's complete, we will see just how valuable the chaff that the wind drives away actually is to him. Sober days, sober warnings, but even as I say these things, I know that in this environment everybody's got an opinion that's as valuable to him or to her as the truth. In fact, it is the truth to them. But the truth is a person and remains the standard of divine rectitude. 
in one day and perhaps not long from now, there is inevitably a reckoning. He who is wise, the ones who are wise, will be prepared for that time while all the rest of mankind slumbers and sleeps. M. Sam Solon will continue our study of the book of Revelation. Thank you. Bye-bye.